Understand that podcast is out there. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. And it absolutely will not stop ever until Ribbon of Memes episode 35 is recorded. Listen to me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to, I think I got the episode number right, uh, maybe, um, for a change. Um, I am joined as ever by the relentless Roger. Oh. I am Nick and we are here to interrogate films other travellers have previously described as masterpieces. We are in 1992. One. Uh, one, yeah, I, I was just feeling that was right. I, it's, all this time travel messes with your head. We've done Back <laughs> to the Future recently. Yeah. Um, and we are discussing James Cameron's um, double whammy of Terminator and Terminator 2. As is often the way with um, uh, franchises, we discuss them as far as we feel um, they went into masterpiece territory, which is why we're stopping at Terminator 2. Yeah, I, I think there is perhaps some material of value in T3, uh, but... You know, I've not even bothered to watch any after that. I did enjoy the TV series, though. I never watched that. Um, we could maybe discuss that towards the end. But yes, um, they. I think it's fair to say none of the others were unequivocal masters. Oh, spoilers. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll start with the ones traditionally thought of as the best two. Um, the Terminator from 1984, um, which was James Cameron's... I think it was his second feature after... Piranha 2, The Flying Terror? Am I, the <laughs> am I wrong? In the Spawning, yes, <laughs> of course. Um, uh, supposedly, a, the, the whole tor- metallic torso dragging itself along was based originally on a nightmare he had while filming that. Really? Or yes, I so read that it was a, a fever dream. I mean, who knows what actually... <laughs> but it, the, the whole plot was supposed to be a, a... Well, not the whole plot, but that image, which he built the plot around, was supposed to be come from a fever dream. I didn't realise it happened while he was filming this morning, but um, <laughs> it's as good a reason as any other. Um, so, I mean, the plot summary, uh, such that we need it, as that two um, men, or apparently men, appear in Los Angeles in 1984, both looking desperately for Sarah Connor. Um, uh, One of them starts murdering his way through Sarah Connor's, um, and the other one finds the actual Sarah Connor, who is destined to become the mother of the freedom fighter, which will shatter the artificial intelligence which has taken over the world in uh, the long-distant 2020 (laughs) um, future. I think it's 2020 they come from. Something like that. I don't know if it's ever specified. Um, they, I, I mean, I have a long history with this film because um, it was one of the very first films my mum ever got us to watch on VHS. Um, hey. And it was because uh, we liked... Um, I think it was... I can't remember when Empire Strikes Back came out, but we'd watched that and she knew we liked science fiction. So mum went out and got a few more videos for us to watch, which were Death Race 2000, (laughs) Blade Runner and The Terminator. Um, Well, at least they're reasonably good films. 
They are. I, don't, I, I mean, they must have had 18 certificates, didn't they? I don't, <laughs> but uh, we watched it as far as uh, the punk getting his heart <laughs> removed uh, by um, by uh, an impressively muscled and incredibly young-looking Arnold. Um, yeah, then uh, notice who that punk is. Well, it's not the punk who gets his heart pulled out isn't um, no, our true. friend Bill Paxton, but he does appear in this film in, in a... Washed down, nothing clean, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I, a bit like Back to the Future was to you, and maybe like this is to you. Um, I mean, this is, because I watched it as a very young child. I mean, my mum turned it off at that point, but we all, <laughs> we did watch it again fairly shortly afterwards, and it was actually the first video I can ever remember buying to keep. My mum bought it because we all liked it so much. It was 50 quid, I think, even back mm-hmm. then to buy a yeah. video. It was bonkers buying videos um, in the early days. This was before Blockbuster or anything like that. You just had a local video shop. Um, and so they, you, you bought the ones that people weren't renting anymore, I think. It was it was ridiculous. Anyway, Yeah, well, they, um, they also had a, a, a price setting thing. Basically, the studios could decide what price they were, the stuff was going to be sold for. Uh, okay. so, so they would deliberately price the purchase high to keep the rentals going. And then when, the rentals, when the rentals started to trail off, they would drop the purchase price as well. Oh, so we must have bought it fairly early on. But consequently, this is a film I watched a lot um, mm-hmm. as a eight, nine-year-old um and I, so I know it very well. I didn't actually watch it for this ever because I watched it a few months ago, Um and I pretty much know it off my heart anyway. <laughs> um, but, um, I, well, it's one of my favourite films. I mean, I've said this a few times, I remember it, but it is one of my favourite films of all time. It, it doesn't quite reach into the as soon as it finishes, I can watch it again category, but that's only because I'm so familiar with it. Um, mm. That, that I don't really it's already playing to. in your head anyway. It is. Most of the time it's already <laughs> playing in my head. I mean, the the... the, the <sighs> It, it unfortunately, I like it so much it causes me problems with Terminator Two, because um, Kyle Reese is one of my favourite heroes mm. of all time. He's he is so uh, Michael Bean uh, is so good in it to me. He's he's just this desperate, wiry. Um, well, we should we should possibly talk about the casting here as a side note oh, because yes. you know, a, a lot of actors went for that part. Mm. Um, and the the thing that struck the casting people and Cameron was this was the guy who wasn't just being a tough guy. He was sufficiently empathetic that you could believe in this, you know, less than a day relationship actually being something real. Yes, he has um, a... Uh, it's not really a warmth. I mean, Kyle is not a warm character, but he has a humanity to him, a really strong humanity. I mean, he, he nearly didn't get the pop because he was doing um, a play which required him to have a very strong Southern accent, and he did the he did the audition <laughs> with a Southern accent, a Southern American accent. Um, but then, when they realised that's what was happening, he re-auditioned, got the part. But yes, Michael Bean here is just. Uh, to me, is amazing. I, I, the film is well done in the sense, straight away, as soon as Reese arrives, there is something different about him to the way Arnold arrived, just in the physicality. The, mm. uh, I mean, we'll talk about Arnold. Uh, uh, I mean, Arnold is so famous, you just have to say Arnold. Well, yeah, but, but at this point, he isn't quite. I mean, no. most of the films he's, he's most... Not, I mean, he's done Conan. He's done Conan. Uh, when he was cast, he had just done Conan the Barbarian. 
he was famous enough as um, again I may be misremembering this. I think he was foisted upon James Cameron by the studio. Mm, the okay, the impression I got is that he was looking for somebody who was, you know, a rising star, therefore still yeah. reasonably cheap. Uh, but particularly one who would have overseas sales appeal, which a lot of, a lot of, yeah, what you might call straight American actors don't. And yes. he, he was one of the, one of the people being considered. He, uh, Cameron wasn't a fan until they actually met, certainly. That well, that, I think as soon as they met, they hit it off. And obviously it became a strong working relationship after that. But, um, we've, we've he, he, into he, did, he did read for the part of Reese as well. Well, I think James Cameron, the idea was that he wanted the Terminator to be sort of inconspicuous. His, his mm. thought was, well, if Arnold walks in through... They're, they're of infiltration course. units. Exactly. And if you're looking for someone who looks like a, gi- a giant killing machine robot, you're going to look at Arnold. Um, what, but... what are the people, just, just a side note, because irony, um, O.J. Simpson was one of the people who was proposed for the Terminator, but Cameron said he didn't seem believable as a killer. Oh, so. <laughs> oh, I'm not going near that. Goodness me. That is... Um... Wow. Okay. Well, there we are. Um, uh, sorry, I'm going to send Ray back to Carl Reed for a minute because we're going to because he doesn't really appear in Terminator Two. Um, though we'll talk about, that. but um, he, uh, uh, Michael Bean. I I don't know what it is quite about his character, but I mean he has got a ton of expedition in this film. I mean there's very little, uh, there's very little showing of Reese's exposition, it's all telling. Um, and Cameron's yeah, I mean, that, very good at that, doing it. There are a couple it. of bunker sequences, but mostly, I agree. Yes, it's it's all about, he, he has to quickly tell it, and not only does he have to make Sarah believe, he has to make us believe. He has an easier job with us, because we've seen what Arnold's capable of, but you have to believe him and trust him. Hmm. He does such a good job of um, well, yeah, being real and human and, and damaged and you know he's a super soldier from the future extremely competent but also broken and wounded by the life that he's lived um and just desperate for some warmth and you i guess the plot relies on you believing that he would kind of fall in love with sarah from a distance and and volunteer for the job Mm. and well well, i did I mean, we don't know exactly what the future society is like, but I would imagine photographs of pre-collapsed people are quite a rare thing. Yes. I mean, this this may well be the only woman he's ever seen with a hairdo. <laughs> yes, yeah, makes sense, because, you, don't, you know, in the future, if you have a hairdo, it's something for the robots to grab onto, presumably, so... <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's very good. And that is... um, Yeah, I, I think he's just perfect casting for it, to the point where... Um, uh, when it, when I was writing my first novel, my character um, borrowed his surname because I just I, mm-hmm. I just idolised Kyle Reese. Um, he's just an amazing character, um, but he is not the 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 key protagonist of the film. Well, we'll talk about Arnold a bit. I do obviously we need to talk about Linda Hamilton because this is really a three a three piecer, I suppose. Mm. Um, uh, so Michael Bean is again for me perfectly cast. He doesn't put a foot wrong he totally convinces um then we have arnold uh, who is yes semi-famous and certainly famous enough to to sort of try and carry this quite low it was quite a low budget film well this is the thing and the the more i've been reading about this the the more it very much looks as if nobody really expected it to take off Mm. you know it's, it's another action film people are making lots of action films and it was also, I don't know if it was R-rated in the... I don't think it was R-rated, but it was 
it was 18 here for sure, for fairly obvious reasons, um, in that uh, it's yeah. extremely violent. Um, Production was actually delayed of... because um, there was an option on, on Arnie's contract for Conan the Barbarian that he had to come back for another film if they wanted him, and they did. Okay, all right. So, so, so basically, he, he, he made Conan the Destroyer, which took, you know, about a year. Um, and then once you get back off that, then, then they got everybody back together to make this. So had they started filming then? Uh, not as far as I can see. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it didn't particularly interrupt things, but it, it did mean that everything was not quite as expected. Now, I still, to this day, have dreams about Arnold the Terminator. Because he is just terrifying as this unstoppable force. I know, it it just... is effect. I mean, that's one of the things that a nightmare does. Uh, you know, it disconnects uh, effects and consequences, so something can be smashed and keep coming. Yes, and uh, well, and that's what. It, yeah, he is unstoppable, and the, just the, the the sheer concept of that is brilliant. I, I mean, it's not it's not particularly clever, but just you have this thing. That is indefatigable, practically indestructible, and wants you dead. That is just an, an amazing concept to start a, a, a film with. Um, and Arnold just, uh, again, I mean, he, he's not really, well, I don't want to say he's not acting. I mean, he's doing a great physical acting work. I he, mean, he, he is he really still known, is... I think, mostly as the bodybuilder at this point, you know, his, his yeah, first career. Yeah. I mean, he, as, as you say, he's, he's had a couple of other acting jobs, but. He is known primarily as the big physical guy, and yeah, obviously you get him to play Conan because Conan is a big physical guy. Actually, isn't it? Yeah. If you read the stories, but never mind. Um, Ooh, nice views, though I must say. Uh, and so he plays up to that as well. Um, there, there are lots of little mannerisms, like uh, there, there's a shot when he's driving and searching at the same time, and he just does this side to side scan. Yeah. Yeah. Completely smoothly, and yeah, I mean, yes, all right. The man's face does help if he, yes, <laughs> but but he also held the right expression to make his face do that thing. It's yeah, I mean, it's almost like a, a deliberately non-acting role. He's he's trying not to show any emotion, and for for almost the entire film, you you know, sometimes he blinks a bit when he punches it through a window or something, but or something showers on it. But he's. Uh, He's a relentless, emotionless killing machine, and that doesn't sound like a hard act. But I suspect it's probably a lot harder than than it than it looks. I, I suspect I one he's... of the trickier things is not flinching. Yeah, when, I, mean, I mean, obviously, some of that stunt double, but even so, stuff is happening around you. Yes, I, I think his, his physicality here is incredible, I, I, and perhaps he's not given enough credit for that. But it, it is a I mean, it's an acting job in the sense that he's putting himself in a completely alien position and convincing you of what he is, which is this inhuman thing. Mm. Uh, I I think he's great in it as well. I mean, I do understand James Cameron's initial reluctance because logically, yeah, the the tallest guy in the room with the biggest muscles is is pretty obvious choice for your plasma rifle. But... uh, it works anyway, because, I mean, we should talk about the Lance Henriksen in the room, because Lance Henriksen, <laughs> I think, was first choice by, from James Cameron, or certainly he was, he, 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 the film may have been written with him in mind. Um, that's we've that's not completely clear. Um, right. I mean, I've, I've heard various things from various sources, and they can't all be true, so that it may well be the case, or it may not. Uh, it is certainly documented that he helped with the financing for the film, Oh, really? Uh, which is why, as the, um, which, which is why he got the part he did, uh, just as a way of saying thank you for that. 
Oh, he's great in that part. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I, well, I don't that's the thing. Think... It's, it's almost a whole separate story. You could see the police story of somebody is killing these people. What do we do about it? And, yes, and, exactly, and he is yeah. playing in that story. I mean, that story ends a bit, yeah. <laughs> a bit abruptly. But that's, I mean, I mean they're, they're the, really the only other characters we encounter, um, uh, the two lieutenants. Um, uh, but I, I, so Arnold, I think, is perfectly cast. I, I think so. I don't, I think it's hard to imagine the film of achieving, would have achieved the iconic status it did without Arnold. I might be wrong there, mm. but I don't, it, it's hard to see it any other way now. Um, and then, of course, we have um, Linda Hamilton, um, who is, as you know, much as we discover in Terminator 2, she's clearly a phenomenal actor. But here, she's she's great. I mean, the journey she goes through here um, yeah, from this... I no, guess. Are, are, are you less keen on this? I, well, uh, we'll come back to this, but for okay. obscure reasons, I saw Terminator 2 first, just as I saw Aliens before Alien. And Difficult. so that was the Sarah Connor I was expecting. And I was yes. so obviously I was a bit less let down by that. I mean, yes, I agree with you. The journey is a good one. Yeah. I do think she's kind of screechy. Um, well. I mean, yes, she has just failed her fright check. I do guess it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't feel it's, un- I mean, these are things that are genuinely scary and, mm-hmm. it, and it's not like, it's also not like she's being useless, you know. She is helping. She's making the the stick bomb. She's steering the car. Mm-hmm. She's she's in a terrifying situation, but she pulls it together. Yeah, she does grow um, into it. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just. I think yes, I can see why having seen the Sarah uh, from Terminator Two, to see her as Terminator One, you almost get the feeling that the Sarah from Terminator Two would think exactly the same about the Sarah mm-hmm. from Terminator One. Um, but yeah, that's it because it, she really undergoes. But I, I think for me, she does that that pair they have on screen on screen chemistry. I, I mean, it was the first kind of love story that moved me, aside from anything else on screen at least. Hmm. Um, you know, I was desperately sorry for these lovers that they would never have more time together, and it feels doomed. I mean, it largely feels doomed because they're being chased by a giant killer robot. Um, but it feels doomed <laughs> from the start. But they are amazing. They're amazing. Well, to me, yes, I saw this first, and I, I, uh, I, I really liked Sarah the whole way through as well. She's, uh, mm. she, she's w- once uh, we get into what you might call the main section, yes, I, I just right at the beginning she, she does great a bit, but yeah, as you yeah. say, it's not unreasonable. It would have been a strange film if she started off as the Sarah from Terminator Two, though yeah. I must say, um, but I, I can understand that. Um, and, and then, you know, we have the... we talked mainly about the actors. Um, uh, what, is there anything you want to talk about with the plot or how it develops and how it's filmed? Well, um, I think this is probably one of the films that uh, Zemeckis and co. were thinking of when, when they were talking about Back to the Future, which obviously came out the year after this. Yes. In that time travel is obviously key to the plot, but it is... Yes how they get there it's not a thing that happens during the film as it were that's it's not really much like back to the future one isn't really a time travel movie so much as a nostalgia this is uh, but, it, a but chase even movie. more here um yes because the the wrap-up is everything happened the way it always happened yes exactly yes yeah, so nothing you don't um yes 
uh, until we get to Terminator 2. But exactly, that yeah, was, but, um, but in terms of the, this film's own story, um, you know, if if there had been no Terminator from the future, then there would have been no Kyle Reese, there would have been no John Connor. And exactly, and that's um, yeah. I, I I always get a bit uncomfortable about those kind of uh, seemingly clever but actually a bit nonsensical things that happen in time travel plots. But but here it works for me. Actually, I, mm. yeah, I, I I often dislike. Well, that. I, I think it's fair to say this is the easy option time travel plot, the one that says, in you know. It all seems terribly high stakes at the time, but in the end, what happened is what always happened. The, the key, yes. of course, is not to say that till the end, because otherwise it takes all the tension out of it. Well, exactly, yeah. When, when you look back on it and think, oh, well, we just saw it. It's still a thrilling story. Um, and it's it, it's hard not to get caught up in the moments of the fighting and the, and the, uh, hmm. the chase. I, it's basically a long chase movie. Um, yeah, I, I was actually surprised. Like Steven Spielberg's duel, I suppose, hmm. that kind of... I, I was surprised re- in, in my most recent rewatch um, just how much there is of what I now recognise as what I might call standard eighties action spackle. You know, the, the, <laughs> okay, now we're going to have the shot where they're driving on the pavement, and that takes up another you know fifteen yeah. thirty seconds. And yeah. now we're going to have this shot and that shot, and a lot of the chase action is very good, but some of it is definitely filler. It's not. Um, I, you know, I agree. It's not the most imaginative chase you know we've seen a lot more you know the average bond film has a lot more intricate chases in it um it's the to me it's the characters and the plot that mm. push it along that you well, want to know what's happening and why this is happening and uh, that, that's the thing and when i came in um b- before i watched it again I, I was thinking of it in terms of okay which of the bits i actually remember yeah and very very little of it is the chases yeah, um, I think that's a good point. I, I mean, the, the the direction of them is very competent, and and I suppose to me, what I mean by competent is I understand. To me, the crucial thing in an action sequence, unless you're, it's deliberately obfuscated, like in Platoon, for instance. Mm. I want to know what the stakes are going into it, and I want to understand what is happening moment to moment. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless. And there are some people, Christopher Nolan. <clears throat> who don't seem to be able to do that in an action film. But but um, here, James Cameron clearly is a good, a very competent action director. Yes. Um, um, I'll, it, I'll, I'll say that more, even more about number two, but yes, it, it works here as well. well uh, I think Terminator 2 does get more... Well, you you have well, you, ha- you have short shots and cuts from one thing to another, which can be disorientating, but at the same time, you always have a feeling of, okay, you know, this... This is where the, they are relative to that guy. And you know, if, if you see the car in the back pulling forward, then you can see, aha, yes, it's because he wants to do that. Or it, yes. basically, you, you can keep a mental model of what is going on. And each yes. shot makes sense in terms of that model, rather than you having to say, oh, well, here is a pretty bit of action, and I don't really know how it fits in with the other bits of action. That's all right. And I suppose the flip side of that is it's not... Because it's very competent, and I don't want to say workmanlike, I'm kind of damning it with faint praise there, but I suppose I am. And the flip side of that is, it isn't. It is exciting and thrilling, but it's not. Um, it's not the most imaginative, and it's not the most uh, uh, surprising. Hmm. None of the action stuff is surprising. It's it's the way it pans out. Um, uh, and again, that's probably got something to do with the budget as well, and that they couldn't do a, a lot of phenomenally interesting stuff. Um, I mean, a lot of it is filmed. The vast majority is filmed at night in the dark in the streets of LA. I mm-hmm. Presumably, it was filmed on location. Well, there. I, I'm guessing in, in, inside the 20 mile zone. 
Yes, yes. But yes, as you mentioned, I mean, the most... Um, well, similarly, you know, when it, you could say the same about the cop, you know, he invades a police station. Um, the most imaginative bit and the most memorable bit is the I'll be back and then him driving a police car into the front of, mm-hmm. uh, into the front of the station. Um, after, and you never get, I don't recall you ever get an exterior shot of the police station particularly. I don't often. think so. No. Um, but then he just basically walks through the police station shooting people. Again, some of his ex- excellent physicality that, the image of him sticking his hand into the um, the electricity, uh, whatever you call it, I'm no electrician, but the bit where all the electric wires are, and just pulling it out and just twitching a bit while the bullets hit him with no expression mm-hmm. on his face. It's just, it's just amazing. I, also, me- I mean, if you're familiar with um, submachine guns, shotguns, uh, firing them one-handed is not a thing you do lightly. I mean, yes, all right, lots of other 80s action stars do it too, but he makes it look as if he is... I mean, we already know he's super strong, so it reinforces yes. that. So it makes it sense, <laughs> but he does, he barely even moves when it when yeah. it. Yes, the, the physicality there is amazing. Um, uh, so this, as I say, this was one of James Cameron's first films. What it was his second feature, wasn't it? After the Spawning, um, I think so. I mean, this was the one where he got together with uh, Gail Ann Hurd. They were they were not yet married, um, but basically he he did deal that. She, uh, she, she, they'd both worked on New World Pictures for Roger Corman. Right. That's, that's, okay. a, that's a key thing to bear in mind here. Roger um, Corman was a grandfather to a lot of great, um, yeah. great films. Uh, but he, he basically did a deal with her that, um, sh- and sh- she said she would not, she would produce it, but only if he got to direct. And so. Uh, right. Fair enough. I mean, James Cameron's, uh, we have another, again, we'll argue it more in Terminator 2, but I, I think, we have a strong female protagonist here. Now, she's actually stronger in Terminator 2, but she's not quite the protagonist there. Here, it is her journey and her story. Mm, yeah. And and again, that is a, and, a feature. And there is a thing that we'll see again, or we have seen again, time travel in Aliens, um, that in the end, everybody, you know, all, all the people who have tried to help her have yeah. fallen by the wayside, and in the end, she has to do the thing herself. Yes. Yeah, and, and that, that, that's, that's clearly a thing that Cameron likes, and fair enough, yes, it works. Yes, and it and it steps up to it. But she's, I suppose, that's why I like her sort of normal eighties girl at the beginning, in the sense that she's hmm. she's a human, she's a normal human being. She's got a sense of humour. What happened to the lizard? Damn it! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> never find it. Um, yeah, I, I, I would I, like I, to mention the the effects though, because um, in particular. Uh, Looking back on the thing, yes, because this is another Stan Winston job. Well, the, Stan Winston, as we discussed, he didn't have a huge amount to do with the thing, um, except for uh, uh, was it the dog thing? I can't yeah, remember but by this is. point, he 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 is a senior effects guy. Uh, Cameron yes. wanted uh, Dick Smith, who'd, who'd done uh, The Godfather and Taxi Driver. Basically, these are not ones you think of as, as effects heavy films. Uh, no. But they've got, you know, one or two things here and there that need to look right. Uh, but Smith was too busy. And so he said, you know, this guy Stan can do it. Uh, and I think it works very well with one exception. Um, all the, the self-surgery, that's great. Is this what the looking in the mirror and the eye? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the yeah, the, the bits where we're showing this guy is damaged and he's not being damaged the way a human being would be damaged. That that stuff is is very nicely done. There is one cut in there where he's just finished looking at his eye, 
and then it cuts to obviously the real Schwarzenegger putting his glasses on, and mm. it, there is quite a contrast. I don't yeah. know if it's the lighting or the acting or just the motility of him, but that it is quite obvious that what we've been looking at before was not uh, the real Donald. The the one that failed for me though was. Uh, there, you, you don't get very much of it, and clearly they realised they did, it wasn't working especially well. But when you've got the uh, metal skeleton stalking along the catwalk, all yes. of a sudden it makes me think: No, Ray, Ray Harryhausen did this better in Clash of the Titans. It does lose something when it's not Arnold. It, it's and the when inertia. It That's the thing, and it, it moves as if yeah, you know, it just starts moving and then it stops moving. It doesn't accelerate and decelerate the, the way an yes. actual heavy thing does. Yeah, I agree. It looks which, which, which yeah. was Ray Harryhausen's genius that he worked out how to do that, and very few people actually copied him. You're right, actually, and I hadn't really worked out what's off about it, but you've said it exactly. It just it doesn't it doesn't look like it has the weight that it had before, more than anything. And it yes, it's it's too it's too robotic, uh, which is strange given that it's a robotic endo. It, it doesn't look like a like a moving mechanism of that size. No, That's I mean it's, it looks amazing. But when it's moving, it looks better when it's dragging itself along the floor. But I guess yeah. that's oh, texturally, it's, it's great. Stop, stop. I guess it's not full stop motion by then. It's probably all puppetry when it's yeah. on, when it's dragging itself along. On, I agree. On the other hand, there is one shot which I, I don't think I'd even noticed before this most recent rewatch. Um, but it, it is just speaks to me on, on a practical effects level. Um, when the fuel tanker blows up. Yes. Uh, Sarah has run, and she, she's basically hiding against a wall. And she is tossed along the wall by the explosion. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is a, a coordination of practical effects and direction that just, yes, the, the, that is very much what would happen to an actual body in that situation. Yes, yes. please, more of this. Yes. <laughs> and, well, and all the stuff around her moves, and then like the bin catches fire and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I agree. That is. Um, I, uh, yes, I mean, there are some flaws, and I agree, in some ways it's quite a pedestrian film. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you can see why people casually looking at the script and thinking, oh, it's, it's a film that fits in this category. Yeah. Didn't expect much of it. I mean, Schwarzenegger at the time didn't think much of it. No, I, yeah, I can see why just describing it and talking about it now, it doesn't, but it has a, again, it's one of our, I would say, very well edited films. It's quite fast moving or it sets up the mystery very quickly mm. of what's going on. Um, well, interestingly, uh, compare, uh, Back to the Future, which spends most of its first act info dumping at you. I mean, it does it very well, but it has a lot of info to dump. Yeah, I mean, th- this is right into the action much more quicker. I was surprised, when we were watching Back to the Future, I'd remembered the opening shot with all the clocks, but it's actually, it's a really quite slow opening, mm. Back to the Future. Just literally the opening shot, but that's kind of borne out with the whole beginning of it. This is stuff you'll need to remember later, TM. Um, but it, it isn't sort of intrinsically interesting, whereas all this, there's a ton of info dumped on us by Kyle here, and it's almost all Michael Bean's job to tell us everything about yeah. it. It, um, it. It does help, I suspect, that it's bitty and it's broken up by the action. It, I mean, it, and it feels, I suppose in retrospect, it feels a bit deliberately like, oh, I'm going to tell you this one, I'm busting this window, I'm going to tell you this one, I'm doing that. But it works. It, it, hmm. it is a good way of For me, the Terminator, I think Dr. Silberman in the film sums it up best. He just, he says, when he's talking about Kyle's what he thinks is delusion. He's just saying, it's so intricate, it's brilliant. And, and I guess, I think that's what works to me, is that the plot, there aren't, aside from the 
my slight frustration with time travel things that only work because the time travel happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual plot is so self-contained and brilliant and doesn't need anything else uh, uh, that I think it just... For me, I was almost disappointed when I found out that Terminator 2 was coming out because I just mm. I was like, well, how... You don't need it. Well, we, we know the story. And, and this will come on to my, some of my... And I think probably similar to yours, ill... Ill uh, conceived, um, oh, sorry, I'm not saying yours, real conceived, but perhaps unfair judgments on Terminator 2, largely because I like Terminator 1 so much. But mm. I, I don't think it needs, it's a self contained story, it's brilliant by itself. Um, it's more the story, and in a way, for me, it's more the love story that works for mm. me. Well, I think, uh, I think that is why it is memorable in a way that other contemporaneous action films aren't particularly. It's because Cameron, whatever his faults, remembers to put in a human story. Yes, exactly. And that's, and that's not, really... it's not, it's not just, you know, like the towering inferno. Uh, we, we need some gaps between the special effects. So we'll, we'll put in, you know, standard character stuff. These are characters who are actually involved in what's happening. And so, you know, what they do feeds the action. The action feeds what they can do next. It, it's an integrated well, that, whole. That's all you need in an action, but you don't need, well, I think this proves to me this and well, I suppose Die Hard and Raiders. I suppose the other films I'm thinking of as action films, both of which are very good at character stuff as well, were Die Hard and Raiders. But this, of those three, has the most basic action. Um, but it's hmm. probably my favourite of the three. Um, though that's difficult because I love all of them. Um, uh, but I think it is my favourite. And I think it's because the characters speak to... I don't relate to them so much as I, I feel I understand them and they're true to themselves. And the, uh, it's just... I, I feel uh, that fi- the final moment, um, you know, where she's talking to her unborn son and talking, looking off into the distance, and you know, you know, at that moment she's thinking about Kyle, just from mm. I guess from the script, but from her acting, and then to realise that whole time he was looking at her, wondering what she was thinking about, he was, she was thinking about him. I just—it's mm. such a lovely wrap up to the film. I just—I I almost didn't need any more. And, and, and I guess, uh, I mean, Terminator. So, would you want to say anything more about Terminator One? Uh, well, I, there was only one other thing that struck me this time was um, in in that bunker sequence, which yeah, very, very nicely shot and so on. Uh, the the thing with the dogs, so you spot the infiltrators coming yes. in, pretending to be your people. That's great. Did they yeah. not have a plan for what happened when the dog spotted an infiltrator? I must say, they don't seem to really know what to do at that point. I yes. mean. All right, their resources are limited. I, I feel a cubicle with an effing great gun pointed at it. <laughs> yeah, nobody gets in here until they've passed the dog test. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, perhaps they just. Oh, similarly, that that does remind me of one thing we haven't discussed: the soundtrack, Brad Fidel's soundtrack. Mm. Um, I, I like got, the core theme. Yes, I. I <laughs> the reason you, you reminded me of it is that the. The soundtrack to the the kind of future episodes, that kind of sad, and particularly that that sadness when um, uh, that kind of poignant theme of, of the the kind of misery of the future. I, I really love that. If I, I have, I don't have many t- um, soundtracks of films, but I have Terminator. Um, mm. I don't have Terminator Two. Interestingly, um, the core theme is amazing. I love that. I think some of the action things do feel a bit synthy and heavy and electricy. I love them because it's kind of music I grew up with. But I think objectively, perhaps they are a bit too much and a bit mm. a bit eighties 
Um, uh, I, I will say I didn't I didn't notice it as much this time, but certainly when I was watching Terminator Two, I, I, I wrote down that the score feels very facile. Um, you know, we we know exactly what's going to happen because the music yeah. is queuing. I, I think I mentioned this with with uh, Reds of the Lost Ark. You yes. you can go too far integrating the music with with what's going on. Yes, it is a bit, um, or oh, dare I say, a bit John Williams in that respect. It's like, <laughs> this is the emotion you're supposed to feel now. And I, I, my difficulty there is divorcing the fact that I saw it so young, and, and it was one of the first films I saw. Sure. And so it feels right, but I think I agree with you. It probably is a bit on the note, even here, but yes, probably more so in Terminator 2. Hmm. Um, but but yes, are, I, I'm happy to move on and ask, do skulls count as a rough terrain hex for tracked vehicles? <laughs> did, did the writers of Warhammer 40,000 bear this in mind? Um, they don't look like they cause a lot of rough terrain uh, damage, I must say, when the when the um, hunter killers are, are moving over them. Um, I've got to say, that flying HK is one of my favourite designs ever for, for yes. vehicles. Yeah, I, yeah. I, again, it's burned into the furniture of my brain as as just a, an amazing future thing. I don't, was that Stan Winston as well, or was I th- that? I'm not certain. I think so. He was certainly okay. in charge of the overall thing. I don't know whether that was his individual design. The the well, the, the tank with the with the high standing thing. Yeah, that's a bit rubbish, but yeah. Uh, but the hunter killers. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I suppose we haven't talked about the future sequences. You know, the kid watching the burning TV. Oh, I love it. But uh, <laughs> they are. I suppose some of them are a little bit ropey in places, but actually we just see glimpses of it enough that you just, it's just, it's good. Well, this is one of the things that I think film can legitimately do. You know, you can't see everything, but you can, um, you can, you can fill in from the sort of stuff you know, uh, in a way that's, I think, more legitimate in film. In, yes. in a book, if you if you leave things undescribed and people say, "Oh right, well this is this is the scene in the rebel base. I've seen Star Wars. I'll fill it in." That that's sloppy writing. In yeah. a, in a film, I think you can get away with a bit more because there there is just less bandwidth available in a film. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, uh, but what it does show, it shows well. Um, Terminator. T- so Terminator, the Terminator, made a surprisingly huge return on its investment. Um, I became. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say a cult hit. It was just a hit, wasn't it? I think. I think so. Yeah. Or a modest hit, and considering it was quite a low budget film, then and then James Cameron did he go on and do Aliens? Uh, Aliens was his next film after this one. Yeah. Which also did. I mean, these are far from James Cameron's most profitable films, sadly, because they're tons better than the ones that were. Uh, and, <laughs> that were and, and then he made The Abyss. Which is. Yeah, half a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> we and can the, disagree the, with that. Then he made Terminator Two. And now, then, then was... he split up with Gail Ann Hurd, and after that he made True Lies and Titanic and Ghost of the Abyss and Avatar. So there, there may be a, a thing here. Well, I, yeah, I, True Lies I think is very good, actually. It's not, it's it, not it has its moments, but it, it's, it's, well, we can talk yeah, about that. Yeah, some fair I, I don't think we're going to talk about it in the great film slot, put it that way. Let's face, yeah, none of the ones you just mentioned are going to make it into Ribbon of Memes and, unless we do. Uh, some kind of special episode. Uh, certainly not Avatar, goodness me. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but Terminator 2. So this was 92, so this was eight years. Uh, not 91, but uh, yeah, 91, they, they'd again. started trying to make a sequel um, fairly immediately once they saw the box office thing, but there were, there were two things. One, um, the T-1000, the, the liquid metal thing, 
had yeah. been part of the vision for the first film, but Cameron had realised, okay, we just can't do this with with the state of the art right now. Right. Uh, but he he definitely wanted it in the second film, so some of that was waiting for the CGI to get to the point where it could do it. Uh, yes. The other thing is um, half the rights were held by Hemdale Film Corporation, which had obviously put up some of the money. Um, and they were basically being awkward. Presumably they wanted okay. more money, that's the usual reason. Uh, yes. Eventually, I, th- I think in 1990, Carol Co. Uh, bought Hemmings half of the rights. And, and then that enabled them to get on and make the film. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I got um, past my general studies exam in uh, A-level by writing an essay. This may be more of a comment on general studies, but it was. I think the question was something like, special effects are spoiling movies, discuss. <laughs> and the premise of my essay was that Terminator 2 is a demonstrably worse film, despite having a much better budget than The Terminator. Um, hmm. Now, I don't agree with myself there, I must say, but I I went into Terminator 2 a bit grumpy, I yep. must say, because yep. uh, Kyle Reese is my favourite hero of all time. Now, I knew he was dead, spoiler, um, <laughs> but it's time travel, you know, it's, it's not impossible to have him back in it. And in fact, he is back in it in the director's cut, um, briefly. Um, yeah. But I, I missed him, frankly, because yeah, I, mm, you know, I, I had a huge man crush on him. Um, and also... You know, Arnold had been one of the bugbear, the nightmare of my childhood. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but he was so effective for me as a villain that to make him a good guy it didn't work for, or at least the thought of it didn't work for me. Mm. So there's two things against it, plus kind of annoying kid as a hero instead <laughs> of Sarah. Um, at least for the uh, first half, yeah. At least for the first. And so... All of those things made me grumpy seeing it, and I held on to that grumpiness for some years, I'm afraid, mm. and constantly said, Terminator 2 is not, it's just not as good as the Terminator, I just don't like. Um, I, I'm i going to stand up now and say I'm wrong. I mean, ter- watching it again now, and watching it objectively, Terminator 2 is, is very, very good. I don't know, I mean, there are things it does better. Yes. Uh, but I, I will agree with you that it's... It feels, in retrospect, more effects-heavy, possibly because the effects are closer to the stuff that is all over films now. Yes. Um, though, I mean, if if you look carefully, you can see where they're being really clever. Um, yeah, computer time is still expensive. Yes. So, you know, you can have the big effect shots, uh, like that whole sequence with the checkered floor. Yes. But but you also pick a guy who has a twin brother who is also an actor. <laughs> they, they, they were cropped up in um, Good Morning Vietnam, didn't they? Um, so they were the two checking the intelligence reports. But yes, they... they um, oh, we also have a, a check... Uh, check of, oh, I've forgotten the name of Vasquez's actor. Jeanette Goldstein. Appears. Jeanette Goldstein. Whom appears, I um, did not recognise in this. No, she's incredibly... I still don't really <laughs> recognise her now, having seen Vasquez. She's just... I mean, she's not really got much of a part, to be honest, so it's a bit hmm. of a shame. Well, the um, one good scene. Uh, yes, yeah, that is a good um, I, I mean, I still agree. Yeah, when I say I disagree with myself, what I disagree with myself is that I don't think Terminator 2 is a worse film than The Terminator. I still agree, I, I, I agree with you that, um, that it feels a bit more flashy. It's, it's one of those films, it almost like you can imagine James Cameron saying, we've got to do everything bigger, we've mm. got a bigger budget now, it's all going to be bigger well, and better. Well, e- even the script acknowledges that this is basically the same core plot. 
Yes. You know, one bad guy, one good guy, both come back from the future. Well, again, that was the other reason I went in a bit grumpy, because the whole premise of the second film is like, oh, and they sent another one. You know, that's <laughs> that's basically it. And, uh, but in the first Re- recalling one, also, states, um, they blew aliens. up the time facility. Sorry, yeah. yes. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, recalling aliens where uh, one of the of Hamilton's, sorry, uh, Sigourney Weaver's reasons for not, for not coming back in at first was she felt that a sequel would just be the same thing more. Yes. And in the case of Aliens, it wasn't. In the case of this, well, it isn't completely, but there, well, there I, is I, still an awful lot of... Um, it's a, it's a there are two Terminators again, chasing and, and squishy humans who have to be kept safe. I think where it really starts to work for me, Terminator 2, I, because I didn't... Again, I, I, I'm slightly conflicted by my emotions. We have um, the opening sequence with Arnold... Um, where he goes into the bar and wreaks havoc and then comes out, you know, to the tune of Bad to the Bone. I really like that now, but I must say, at the time, I was like, what is he, a comedy character now? What's going on? You know, it felt a bit... Yeah, I I would love to know what it was like to see this if you hadn't been spoiled by the advanced publicity and knew that he was the good guy. Because there there are lots of little bits of the film, particularly in, the, in those op- opening sequences, yeah. where they're trying to leave you in a bit of doubt. They you know. are, and, and Robert Patrick, we should talk about Robert Patrick, but he, you know, initially seems a bit more benign. You mm. know, he, he seems like the Kyle Reese version of it. Um, he's, he's doing, I mean, he does a... Uh, but yeah, I agree. I'd love to have gone into that cold and not known. Um, uh, though that probably would have made me even more grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did, I, watching it again... Um, and I did watch Terminator 2 again for the, because I, I'm less familiar with it. I, I do enjoy, I mean, it, because aside from the, my little frustration that it exists at all in the sense <laughs> that like, oh, they just sent another couple of Terminators. But, and, you know, I have a number of kind of, I'm trying not to be too nerdy about it, but, you know, to me, it seems like the technological leap between a T-800 and a T-1000 is immense. Yes. And I'm not sure how a shattered Skynet would have come up with that and then managed to send them both back in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't quite... It almost ties up with the first film, but it doesn't. There's a few plot holes in that they were supposed to blow it up as soon as Reese went through. Then, of course, you could argue Reese doesn't know what happens as soon as he's gone through, so he might have missed that. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, the, the simple answer, please, please note a big asterisk flashing at about twice a second next to simple, is to say it's a different future. But they won't do that for another couple of films yet. Uh, yeah, well, term- we'll talk about Terminator Dark Fast at some point. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yes. the thing is, I mean, we we still see Arnie first, just as we did in the last film. Yes, that, and that's he is clearly the same character in the sense, mm. although he does look a bit older here. I suppose he was a bit older, <laughs> but um, I, I suppose, I'm just surprised how young he looks in the Terminator. Um, yeah. but, but he's clearly the, the got thing... the same sense of sanctity of human life that he did in the first film. The thing where it does flip a bit, uh, for me at least, is in the first film we've got the big guy and the wiry guy. Yeah. Who is, and it, it's very easy to get people to cheer for the underdog, and here you're expected to cheer for Arnie against the guy who yeah. there's a lot of effort put into making the, T1, the T-1000 look evil. You know, ca- I, I casually mean, I... murderous because you know you you need to be cheering for Arnie, even though he's the big yes. guy. And the film's like, yeah, I agree with you, but the film slightly undermines it by almost trying to tease you that he might be a goodie at the beginning. Mm. But Robert Patrick, again, as he does a very good 
like almost non-performance. He's got the, and he, he's quite yeah. a different style to Arnie. He's got a very kind of wolf-like or animalistic approach to this kind of. He stalks instead of walks, and he, uh, he, he, he is menacing in an entirely different way to Arnold. And I do think he really does work. Yeah, to, towards that. the end, there's a bit of what I might call deliberate cruelty, and that seems to me not in character for Skynet. But, yes, yeah. not efficient. Yeah, there's somewhere he just kills people when he doesn't need to. I think in particular when he's stealing a truck, he just randomly kills one when he could just walk past and get in But also, truck. you know, why torture Sarah and say, call for John, when he has the voice box that lets him when call he, for John yeah, anyway? I must say, that it reminded me of that. Um, I, well, I'd, I'd sidetracked myself because I was going to say, the moment the film really does work for me is the minute the, the meeting of the two Terminators mm-hmm. in, uh, in the mall, in yeah. the back, and yeah. you suddenly realise... Actually, no, this is interesting because these guys can beat the absolute shit out of each other and it becomes this kind of superhero film, you know, when they're smashing each other into walls and masonries and, and the, the poor humans in the middle are just getting mangled. Hmm. I, I think that does really start to work for me. And it, you start to see the possibilities of how it is more interesting than having a squishy human against a Terminator, how having two nearly indestructible creatures yeah. fighting each other it really does start to work for me then and and then the stunts start to go through the roof from that moment on um you have this old sequence in the storm drains um with the truck getting cut in half and the motorbike and jumping um mm. and unlike james bond you know you can actually believe that these stunts can be performed by these characters and they're not they're not superheroes in you know the the, the way we have them all over the screens now they just they and they're not indestructible. Well, I suppose they are. But they can do these stunts believably um, and still have a stake. There's still stakes there. It's not mm. just like two thugs punching chunks off each other and nothing happens. Yeah. That, yeah Diesel does not do that. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Fair point. Um, Sarah, so we we talked about Robert Patrick a bit. I mean, he, he doesn't get much of a performance. and He doesn't quite make the same impact as Arnold, but I think he works very well. Mm. Um, we have um, Linda Hamilton back as, I guess, your preferred version of Sarah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 that one thing that did work for me, uh, even on first watching Terminator 2, was Sarah, because she is believably changed by the events of the first film, I feel. Yeah. Uh, and she's gone... Well, by some, by some reckoning, in, insane because of it, but from by her reckoning, it's perfectly natural behaviour given what she knows is going to mm-hmm. happen. Um, so I think she's fantastic in it. Arnold, um, Arnie actually does, and again, rewatching, I think he does work. I, he, quite he's well. been in a lot more films. I don't know the polite way to put this as an actor rather than as a slab of meat, <laughs> and he, he has been doing yes. actually more demanding roles. Yes, but he works. He does turn it round for me, and you do care for him, and you're moved at the end. Um, even though I, I, I like the way it is really ambiguous. You know, it, it doesn't really have these feelings so much. He's just been programmed into it, and John's changed it. But mm. it, it works anyway. Um, how did you get on with Edward Furlong? How's John Connor work? For me, he does just about work. I think possibly yeah. because he's he's never trying to be the sweet child. He, he seems plausibly like someone who has been taught all these cool skills as a kid. Yeah, and then dumped out and told, "Oh, well, that was all rubbish. Now, now go go to a normal life and normal schools." And you know, yeah, yeah, that's that's a hard childhood dream. He's 
he's borderline annoying for me. He's not quite uh, Home Alone levels, um, which I wouldn't <laughs> recommend to you. Uh, but it does work, yeah. I, I do. I think there is something about Terminator 2 that feels, compared to the Terminator, it feels a bit uh, cornier. And a bit triter and a bit mm. family friendlier, well, if I can use that term. It's also half an hour longer, and I, I think that makes a difference. I mean, yes, there's stuff happening, sure, but it's it does feel as if it has maybe a couple of plot elements too many for me. Well, I, 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 to some extent, I agree. But I have to say, another thing that works for me in Terminator Two is that they actually fiddle about with time travel a bit more mm. in Terminator 2 and they follow try and follow the consequences of uh, of what that might be and whether they can actually change the future um, which I like, I do like I mean it kind of means we got a different kind of time travel than we did in Terminator 1 unless it was utter coincidence that it happened the way it did in Terminator 1 but it, yeah, uh, there uh, is, I, I haven't seen this the 2015 extended edition restores a deleted scene uh, which has Elderly Sarah Connor watching adult Senator John Connor. Yes, in twenty twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. So you and, do, and you that, do... that's that's the one that the thing that makes it explicit, which the film has released, doesn't. That yes, you actually can change stuff rather than just thinking you can. And I prefer the ambiguous ending. I mean, there's some ambiguous endings I can't stand. Um, I, I prefer the ambiguous ending. The, the other, I think, the director's cut has Sarah watching her grandchildren in a play part and it's the same park that she saw torn apart by nuclear explosion that that effect blew me away i must say the nuclear explosion where mm. sarah is um blew me away with sorry no pun intended but where sarah is reduced to a skeleton um hanging on to that sure. the nuclear holocaust that is a i mean they are pretty good special effects the cg i suppose the thing that doesn't quite work nowadays is the cgi does look quite primitive and i know it was designed to be you know, the whole premise of the T-1000 is that it can be primitive. Uh, yeah, and also, it's, it's as, shiny... as good as they could do it at the time. Yeah. I, I must admit, my, my favourite... All right, uh, presumably you, you would prefer the uh, Kyle Reese sequence of, of the restored material in the special edition. Well, it doesn't really work for me, because he doesn't get to do anything, and he's not really there. So actually, no, that, that's... There, there, there are just a couple of it. shots for me towards the end uh, where the T-1000 is um, damaged. And so, you know... It sticks to a black and yellow painted guard bar, and then it goes black and yellow, and then has to pull itself away. Yes, and then it, you know it's walking on the floor and it's flickering into the floor pattern, and that is a throwaway shot. And yes, all right, it adds a few seconds, but I, I really like that in terms of yes, we've thought about how not just how this works, but how it can go wrong. How it can? I think there's a and in the film as it was released, there's a tiny hint of that, but yes, it goes into it. I forgot. I think he just flickers. I can't remember quite what he flickers into, but um, yeah, so he doesn't do the the. Ch- yes, I agree. That is very nicely done. I love um, I love the return of Doctor Silverman. Um, hmm. I, I again, I feel that to me, like much too too relief, too. but maybe it's just me. Well, a bit too on the nose. Not quite evil, but I'm a comedically evil Doctor sort of. Yeah, I hmm. agree with you. I I love it. It works for me because it demonstrates how competent Sarah has become her escape um but also again the orderly that kind of leans over and licks her it's just it's starting to head into tropes which james cameron kind of i i felt fell into later in that i am the obvious villain and i'm doing obvious villain mm-hmm. things which was really uh, fall in the four in titanic 
Um, you know, to the point where we're in Avatar, the guy is so villainous and so mean that he can breathe poisonous air that no one else can. Anyway, <laughs> so, but I, I agree. Terminator Two is creeping towards some of those tropes that he, as a director, at least seemed to explore later on, and it feels a bit. I think that's what I'm trying to get. At. It feels less mature storytelling. It feels a bit mm. more obvious, a bit less grey area-y. And, uh, well, except in that more... one. He has the one big ethical question, and all the thought went into that. You know, the, you know, do you kill Hitler as a child? Do, do you kill Dyson? Yes. Only it's even more so, because he's not going to grow up to be a bad person. He's going to be a great person right up to the point he gets nuked. But exactly, he's going yeah, to do a thing a... which enables... He's going to be an accidental um, uh, Hitler, is it? Yes, uh, that is a nice. But uh, it almost. But all co- all the ethical thought went the... into that scene, that plot. Yes, and it is. I mean, it's good that Sarah. I, I love that moment, but then, and I like that John kind of figures out. Well, he does it. It's kind of a combination of John and the Terminator figure out an alternative way of doing it. Mm. Um, that almost feels like a slight cop out, though, um, and the fact that Dyson dies by himself. Also, where are all the backups? What, the Dyson backups? No, no, all that research. You don't have it in this one building. Well, this was 1992, maybe. No, no, you didn't. Uh, It was 1991, sorry. I I obviously come from an alternate feature where it was released in 92. Um, I I feel like we've been a bit down on Terminator 2. I must say, I I feel much better about it. Where Um, it works, it works on a visceral level for me. Yeah, for the most part, and I, I don't want to uh, diminish the the significance of that, but in terms of making me think, it does less work than Terminator One does. That, I think that would be my. Well, I would go back to that where I say Terminator One is is kind of intricate and it works and it's self contained. Terminator Two is a bit fuzzier and messy around the edges and doesn't. Uh, yes, makes a little bit less sense, if you can say that about this kind of... You can. I mean, it's got to be internally consistent. Yeah. Terminator 2 is perhaps a bit less internally consistent. Um, but as far as a chase movie goes, it works very well still. I, I think yeah. flipping Arnie, Arnie to the good guy does, despite my dislike of it kind of viscerally, <laughs> it actually does work, I think. Um, Sarah works very well. John, he's not actually a huge player in the... He, he's supposed to be, I suppose he's like... He, the, he's um, there in the first part. Much more than the rest. Well, he's he's kind of the moral, I, and I like that the well, kid the, is the one who yeah. is the moral guardian. And, and you don't you don't quite get a sense of him as the leader he will become. There is just that one thing where he's shouting at his mother to listen to him. Yeah, yeah. Which I I think, but I would have liked to see maybe more of. This is the man who humanity is going to depend upon, and mm. that's tough because he's a kid. But I'm sure it wouldn't have been totally impossible. Yeah, and I, I did feel that that starts to merge into what is beginning at this point, you know, four films in, to feel like standard Cameron stuff. Um, you know, fatherhood. Yeah, this is this is this is the only the closest thing to a father, uh, that and and so on and. Uh, particularly yeah. annoying if you really like Kyle Reese. <laughs> and Cam- Cam- Cameron and Parenthood, yeah. it's got to go in there. Uh, yeah. Yes. But also, a recapitulation of drops in the first film, you know, the, the whole crawling sequence, only this time it's the good guy. Yes. Um, yeah. Some of the more obvious lines come with me if you want to live. Yeah. And the thing that struck me this time, because I've watched Aliens recently, um, that whole underfloor moving bit where young John is getting carried away and Sarah can't get to him, is very Ripley and Newt. Oh yeah, yeah. 
That's true. Yeah, he does. He is starting to develop some themes here, and not kind of interesting emotional themes. They're just kind of repetitive tropes in a way. Um, yeah, this is Which, the thing I'd... that worked before. I'll do it again, rather than I'll do it because it fits here. Yeah. But I, I suppose the difference with the Terminator, and, and largely because of its bigger budget, is the stunts and the action stuff is much more imaginative. It's bigger, but it's not so big that I'm like, oh, fuck off, what? He's mm. doing what now? It, it works. I mean, the fact that we have a helicopter chasing a, a kind of a, a SWAT van in this one, it, it's, it works. I, I, I find it thrilling and exciting. I mean, I probably would honestly have just been as excited if it was a big truck but it, it's a bit of variety but yeah. it's the same chase beats that it was in the first film yeah i i, I do like that they established the, the truck on the road and then crash the swap van and then the truck shows up yeah having caught up with that i'm it, it's a small thing and you know if you didn't see it you wouldn't miss it but it, it i just think it's really nice that it's there that consists and again that is he is, as an action director he's extremely competent uh i feel like i'm damning it with the fake but it's not quite <laughs> thrilling in the same way that john mctiernan's die hard is i don't think the action is perhaps not quite as uh as, as thrilling as that but it because again because all you need as you've said with an action film is to know what the stakes are going in to understand it to care about the characters and to believe that they are in genuine peril then then it mm. works on all of those levels there was a thing that struck me uh, this time, just remembering uh, late 80s, early 90s, and the way people were complaining about violence in films. I, I wonder whether the whole thing about not killing anybody, and then we have several extremely violent action sequences in which it is made explicitly clear that nobody is being killed, was yeah. in, in some way a response to that. What, you think it was like a, a kind of... Um... Is this, we're going to have uh, 15 cuts of, of, <laughs> of one-second kisses instead of a, a three-second kiss? Or just, you're complaining about the wrong thing, because this is just an ex just as exciting an action sequence yes. as the one with the killing would be, except we say at the end, human casualties, 0, 0.0. I, want to say, I don't want to know what 0 0.1 would have been, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, surely a knee count counts, <laughs> counts as 0.1 of something. Um, yes. It does work, but it, I mean, I can see why people regarded it as an assault on the senses. We are used to that kind of thing now. Yeah. Uh, also, also we, we were both relatively young and adaptable. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, in, in a, sadly, it looks a bit tame compared to some modern films. And I think it, it's about as far as I would want a film to go, but films have just kept including the Die Hard franchise including the sadly the Terminator I mean this is not a thing that should ever become a franchise mm. much like the Alien um, but it's I, it I do wonder if that's one of the reasons why that scene of uh, older surviving John was cut to give yeah to, to leave some room for a sequel I don't know I mean it was a, I, I it bet, was a bit I of a time right. before 3 came out but it was, and I don't, I can't, I, James Cameron may have produced it, I don't think he had very much to do with it. I mean, Terminator yeah. 3 is, has some nice... Well, Arnie had his political career to do in the meantime, so... Well, yeah, <laughs> too. I mean, Terminator, all subsequent Terminator films have had to explain how a robot has got older. Um, but they've mm -hmm. done it all right, actually. Um, <laughs> by the time of Dark Fate, they, they do explain that, well, he's covered in human skin and that all gets a bit older. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Will it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, what, if you like. We, we never did establish why you can't uh, simply wrap a nuclear bomb in human skin and send it, <laughs> send it through the time machine. I mean, this would not be a technical challenge. 
I, th- I mean, presumably he's got some kind of fusion reactor in him or something, so it probably effectively is a nuclear bomb anyway. But uh, yeah, but, but but all this stuff about you you arrive naked and and you have to arm yourself with indigenous weaponry. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit. Yeah. Um, this is what the GM wants to happen, so it's yeah. going to happen. Um, but I, I again in the first film, it's just. Um, I, what I love in the first film, going back, you know, the, we have the lines of dialogue where it's like, um, look, I didn't build the fucking thing. I just, I love that mm-hmm. the Reese doesn't understand it. He's yeah. he just got a job to do. He, he's um, a user of the thing. He's not, not, a, not a technician. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we can all um, <laughs> empathize with that nowadays. No. Um, I, I, I taught myself. Oh, yeah. One thing I would like to say yes. about the effects in Terminator 2, uh, I think. In some respects, this is the Model T Ford of CGI in films, because there had been CGI in films before this. Uh, one, one of the first that I remember was The Last Starfighter, and that's um, 84, and Tron, of course, about the same sort of time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but this was the film that made it clear to everybody that, yes, it's going to take a bunch of money, but if all you have to do now is throw money at it, the people are out there, the, the software is out there, you can now do this as part of your filmmaking process. You don't have to wrap the, um, the entire process round it. Yes, exactly. Yes, and that—that's where we get the Star Wars prequels from. So thanks, James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, the but abyss... but also just CGI and film in general, it only gets cheaper from here. Is that, yeah, I mean, that, yes, exactly. It gets. It, yeah, I suppose the abyss might have been the test case for this film because that has the um, that has the aliens that are kind of watery and a bit like this. It, it's got the one this. water tentacle sequence, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Okay, well, I've talked myself down a bit from Terminator. I, I, it's still an excellent film, and the T-1000 conceptually is brilliant. And I, what I really like about the T-1000 is they... It makes sense. Once you know what it is and how... Exactly as you said, it, it establishes the rules really well. You know, mm. it can do this, it can't do this, it can't make complicated machinery, it can do this. And within those... It can't shrink, it can't get bigger. Within those boundaries this is what it can do and then they push that to the limit of the consequences of what it is to fight one of these things like you punch it and you just sink into it and then he will just turn himself into a knife and remove you yeah helmet. i mean you, you could argue why you expected bashing to work on it at all but exactly <laughs> yes yeah, so why why they're constantly shooting it when it well that slows, slows it, down. it down it does slow it down that's the key thing i think yeah i, suppose, uh, I, yes. I think the thing the thing i like most about that is the hooks yeah, when when it when it's got yeah, you know, I've got to grab onto the back of this car. Yes, and he suddenly forms into hooks and pull. Yes, yeah, and then he leaves a bit of the hook behind and drops to the floor, and then you see him reabsorbing it mm. and, and, uh, to establish the liquid nitrogen thing later. Uh, it's yeah, it's. I, I would like just to point out, liquid nitrogen, well, or rather, nitrogen gaseous is really quite a good asphyxiant, and if you were standing that close to that much of it boiling off, you you would probably fall over quite quickly. Yes, I don't know why they're all just standing there. <laughs> Also, like, they're just standing there waiting for it to reform for some time uh, when you're all shouting at the screen, we, run away! We, d- we don't have long. Pause. Pause. Yeah, all right, let's, <laughs> let's just see how long we've got. All right, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <We've>, <laughs> we're in trouble. Um, it's very good, though. I mean, uh, uh, well, I mean, we could touch on the other the films in the franchise. Terminator 3, uh, briefly, is the one where the war actually happens. It's got some good bits about it, but the Terminator is a bit tedious. The, the flip side is the Terminator is a woman in Terminator 3, as I recall. Um, but she's not a very interesting uh, technological design. Um, mm. in the, I, 
I can't remember what she is. She's kind of half T1000, half T800, is she? Has she got liquid metal on her? No. Not that I particularly no. remember. Also, it, it had a really whiny John Connor, which didn't help me. It did. Um, the protagonist female is a vet, though, which I definitely appreciate. <laughs> um, but I, I, I like the ending, where it showed Judgment Day actually happening. Mm. Um, and, the, and this is how he can become the leader, because he's in the right place at the right time. And, yes. Yeah. But it needed a stronger John for it to really work. Um, yeah, it, by, it, it by... really just felt like a parody of T2 to me, more than a continuation or, or a homage to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, well, it feels like it's almost trying to hit the same beats in the same way T2 does for Terminator 1 or the Terminator, but it fails because it's not as competently done or as interestingly done. Um, and Arnold is showing his age by that point. Um, and then we have, uh, the one with the shouty Christian Bale in. I've forgotten the name of yeah, that. Yeah. Considering how much I loved one and two and, you know, yeah. bought them both on home media and, watched them many times. I've seen Terminator 3 once, and I have not seen any of the others. I mean, I wouldn't write the, the Terminator Genesis. Is, well, I mean, for me, it, it's interesting in that it tries to do a Back to the Future um, 2, in that it goes back to the first film mm. and tries to change it. But they recast Kyle Reese as this kind of buff wise-cracking guy and I just you know <laughs> if you're going to commit any sin for me then getting Kyle Reese wrong I just I don't care at that point the villain is John Connor himself who gets turned into a weird Terminator thing. it's just nonsense um Terminator Dark Fat is alright as it was portrayed on my cinema for some reason don't know why they didn't put the E on but there we go mm. um it's, it's quite good, actually. It's got Linda Hamilton back, and it's the posit in Terminator Dark Fate is that, yes, they stopped Judgment Day in Terminator 2, but there are other possible futures out there. Some of them have Terminators in. Mm. So every few years, there's going to be an AI sending a Terminator back, and they're mm. going to... And I, I quite like that playfulness with the time. Um, it's good. And the Terminator's genuinely scary, and the Super Soldier's good. Uh, it's, it's a good film. It's not as good as either T1 or T2, though. Yeah. So. I, I liked Terminator the Seracon Chronicles. Uh, it yes, got messed about by it. production. Um, it didn't have a great John Connor, but he was okay. Uh, it had, but, um, it, but it had Lena Headey as Sarah Connor. That's right, yeah. And it had Summer yeah. Glau as a Terminator. Summer Glau, yeah. And yes. yes, all right, maybe she isn't playing that differently from her role in Firefly, but it's a, it's a role that works here, so you know. Um, I get, I suppose I never watched it because it kind of got, it never really wrapped up, did it? It just got cancelled and I can't yeah. bear to watch shows where that happened. So I've never watched it and I don't feel particularly inclined to nowadays. None of those, I think it's fair to say, are masterpieces. Certainly not Terminator Genesis, which is not a drag. Um, yeah, the, the, the TV series I, I may well watch again one day, but I'm not in a hurry to. Uh, the films, if I were going to watch them for anything, I would have watched them for this, and I didn't. So, yes, exactly. I, I, I would. It might be worth watching Dark Fate at some point. Yeah. I'd be very happy if there's never another Terminator film, um, and that's probably going to be the case given how well Dark Fate did, which wasn't very well. Mm. Um, but the first two, I mean, the first one to me is almost the very definition of a masterpiece. But I may be, um, uh, I, I may be being biased, but I, I think. It's had a huge amount of influence. I mean, everyone knows the catchphrases from Term Come With Me If You Want To Live, um, I'll Be Back, all that stuff. Um, the idea of, 
Arnold as an indestructible robot that all came from there. Um, I, I think it was very influential on popular culture. Mm. I, I mean, as as far as films, it was directly influential on... Uh, I mean, other than Cameron's... I mean, I guess this was um, tech punk or whatever you would call it. I think um, <laughs> uh, Cameron called it tech noir was the, the style he was going for. Well, that was also the name of the bar. Which is the name of the bar. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think it's as visually influential as like Blade Runner, for instance. I think um, that's fair, yeah. But it uh, it hit the popular culture line. I mean, everyone knows Terminator. I don't know. Can you think of any films that were sort of directly influenced by it? I'm sure there are, but none are springing to mind particularly. Well, there there have been lots of rip offs. Yeah, yeah. There's been lots of cheap and Rise of the Machines and all that sort of uh, that kind of concept. Uh, I mean, I suppose Harlan Ellison would have something to say about whether it was influential or not. But Harlan Ellison had a lot to say about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, well, Cam- Cameron said at the time that he thought he had a perfectly good case for not being influenced by the Ellison story. Uh, but the studio turned around to him and said, OK, well, you can fight it, but you're going to be on the hook if, if it for everything if you lose, because we aren't going to fight it. It's, yeah. che- it's cheaper for us just to buy him off. I mean, I th- I think it was. I I don't think I don't think it was lifted off that Harlan Ellison. It was the soldier, isn't it? I think the Outer Limits episode, mm. the soldier. I I mean, I don't want to get into legal trouble, except unlikely that Harlan Ellison's going to sue me at this point. Um, there, but, there is a core principle that dead people cannot sue. Uh, right. Yes. Good. Okay. Well, I I mean, I don't. It goes back to the idea, it's all about the execution and the Terminator, mm. even if the concept is similar, the execution is vastly different in the Terminator. Yeah, I mean, we, we we are both published writers in different fields, and I think we would, I think you would agree with me that ideas are the, you could sweat blood over them, but they're the easy bit. Yes, exactly, it's the, <laughs> and, and I don't, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, we won't go on too much more in there, other than I, I don't think... Um, I, yeah. I, I will just say briefly. I mean, the, the, this is a film that, that uh, has had a an indirect but professional effect on me, uh, oh, really? because uh, the GURPS supplement Raid of Steel, oh uh, yes, was written by David Pulver and obviously in large part um, inspired it's by the, this. I mean, it, it's it, the it, future it, posited by the Terminator. Yeah, it, it is basically the war against the robots is over. The robots won. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have time travel. It quite explicitly does not have time travel, um, and it came out in '97, uh, I think. So after Terminator Two, uh, but yes. before any of the others, uh, and I then got the chance to write the conversion book to bring that into GURPS Fourth Edition. So, so there we are. It had a well. I, I mean, on, on that, I, I suspect the concepts in Terminator and Terminator Two were influential on a lot of kind of nerds of our generation mm-hmm. um, and have, have probably turned them on into science fiction in a way that now, you know, you can't move for what passes for science fiction nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm yeah, sure I mean, obvi- Obviously there are other things that feed into Reign of Steel, uh, but but that is definitely a big one of them. Yeah, so that's, um, well, there you go. So a, prof- a direct influence on, on one of the team here. Oh, I, I got money Reece. for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I suppose my character was called um, Reese, um, though he's not in any way similar to uh, Kyle Reese. But so I just wanted a little <laughs> homage to him. Um, mm. Well, there we are. Terminator uh, one and two. Uh, I think masterpiece. So I mean, in some ways, they're 
clunky, I suppose. Talking it through, perhaps they have a, a few more holes than some of the other masterpieces we've talked about. I, I can but... sort of understand, particularly having come up to this watching uh, films year by year, as we have been, why yeah. some of the critics were saying, no, this this is just, you've gone too far in the action excitement. There is yeah. no actual character left here. Well, I suppose we were talking about influence, and unfortunately, probably the biggest influence they had is big budget action films, mm. uh, particularly Terminator 2. But I, I do think they're very well acted, they're well written, they're imaginative, they're thrilling to watch, and I, I do. I, I do think um, they, they touch on some slightly deeper themes. As as some of our favourite films have done, they don't really say much about them, but they, they at least acknowledge them. Um, mm. Yeah, well, for me, they're masterpiece. And certainly Terminator 1 is a masterpiece, absolutely. For me, this was very nearly the last of the good Arnie films as well. Have you forgotten Kindergarten Cop? <laughs> it came out before <laughs> this. Oh my god, did it. Uh, I I will stand up and defend Last Action Hero in a way that very few people will. Uh, Do you know, Last Action Hero is a film I've never seen uh, because uh, I've been told how bad it is. Um, I'd like to give it a try at some point. Uh, Um, True lies we can argue about. Uh, Well, I don't think it's great, but it's not... You've got Batman and Robin, you've got End of Days, The Sixth Day. I mean, these these are all getting a bit rubbish. Oh dear. Um... Yes, he's not done. It's, it's, was it Copland actually? But oh, maybe that was Stallone. I think it was Copland. Is is actually quite good. Um, and then Terminator don't, don't Dark think, Fate. Don't think that's uh, Arnie. But, uh, yeah. Maybe it's Stallone then. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's. It, it, well, I mean, he, he had a, he moved on to other things after that, didn't mm. he? Um, but there we are. It certainly made Arnie a star. Um, it was one of Michael Bean's last good films, sadly, because it was one of his last. Last films. I mean, he did. He did do good films afterwards, but none of the ones I don't know. When I'd see him in Aliens, and then I had him in Terminator Two. I just I, in Terminator. I just wanted to see him in everything, but actually, he'd never really been in things similar. Mm. It was one of James Cameron's last good films. Yeah. Well, I, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. Um, I, he's in the Abyss, of course, as well. Yes, he is. Don't like him in that. He's got a beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to get his beard, so. <laughs> um, let's move on um, uh, uh, well there we go I think that will wrap it up for a ribbon of memes 1991 mm. and we will be back in 1992 I have detailed files on human anatomy <laughs> well weirdly enough I have detailed files on cat and dog anatomy but there we go. <laughs> makes you a more efficient killer right Oh dear, let's not go into that territory.